Hey everyone, and welcome to the Healthy is Hot podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Wilde. Entertainment reporter by day, sweatpant connoisseur by night. From hashtag to movement, we believe that loving all sides of you is what's healthy. And healthy is hot. Join us as we have raw, real conversations with badass individuals living passionate lives, thriving to make their dreams come true, and diving deep into how they got to where they are. And the best part? How health is a key component of all of it. From the highs to the lows, we get into it. From fitness to mental health to aspirational careers, get ready to be inspired. Also, we don't hold back. There might be swearing, there's definitely going to be some laughing, and hopefully you can take something away from these conversations to live your best life. To live your healthiest hot life. Before we get into today's episode and our incredible guest, I want to acknowledge that these are incredibly difficult times. Um, These are times that I hope will finally be the catalyst for real systemic change. Too many lives have been lost and I think it's time that we, and when I see we, um, I'm speaking to white people here. We need to be better. We need to educate ourselves and listen to the voices that have been oppressed for far, far too long. I am doing the work. I am starting to do the work. I have a long way to go before I truly understand what it means to be an ally and to truly understand what it means to be anti-racist. So if you're listening to this and you're not sure where resources to check out, um, these are just some things that I'm doing at the moment. I'm currently reading How to Be an Anti-Racist. Definitely check that out. I'm listening to an audiobook called Me and White Supremacy, Combat Racism, Change the World and Become a Good Ancestor. These books are definitely causing a lot of reflection. Um, They're helping me realize the impact of white privilege. And they're also driving me to be a better human and to take more action in my life. If you're someone who likes to take in visual content, um, an amazing filmmaker named Ava DuVernay has two really incredible Um, options on Netflix. One is called 13th and one is called When They See Us. Please check out both of them. Please check out these books. Please check out how you can support the black community wherever you live. On behalf of Healthiest Hot, we're going to be making a donation to Black Health Alliance, a Canadian organization, and they work to improve the health and well-being of black communities. If you can't donate, that's okay. There's plenty of ways you can still get involved, petitions you can sign, emails that you can write and send to your government so that policies can finally be changed. Today's guest is Jordan Marie Daniel, and I'm really, really grateful that she is here with us today. Especially with everything going on, I appreciate her time so much, and I appreciate her her sharing her voice. Um, She is an incredibly passionate person 
and a runner. She's made a name for herself both as a runner and a social activist who represents the rights of women and indigenous people. She grew up on a reservation in South Dakota, a fourth generation runner. She's now living in Los Angeles where she founded a grassroots organization that defends native rights, organizes rallies and marches for social justice and environmental issues. Not only does she do all that, she also produces documentary films and runs marathons with markings on her face and body to raise awareness for missing and murdered indigenous women. We really can't thank you enough, Jordan Marie Daniel, for joining us today for this really important conversation on the Healthiest Hot podcast. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Healthiest Hot podcast. Really, really appreciate your time. Before we even get into anything, I just want to check in and see how you're doing and how your loved ones are doing wherever you are right now in the world. Yeah, I'm doing okay. Um, definitely nothing compared to what, you know, our Black friends and relatives are going through during this time and uh, nothing compared to what, you know, I'm seeing my friends and relatives that are at these protests and are on the front lines protecting Black lives um, and what they're going through. And some of them have been maced and shot with rubber bullets. Um, and it's just really triggering and it's traumatizing to have to witness these things constantly. Um, but I'm doing okay. Um, just trying to hang in there and doing the best that I can with my platform that I have to share the content and center the voices that we need to be hearing from right now. Why is that important for you to use your platform for good like this? Because there are a lot of individuals out there who have platforms and who might be choosing to stay silent, but you are out there amplifying voices that need to be heard. I think those that choose to remain silent, you know, are uncomfortable with this issue or they just don't see it as impacting them. And I think that silence leads to this continuous violence that we're seeing. It's perpetuating this process. And I, you know, I feel bad for them. Um, and I, I wish they would use this, their platforms to do good and to center those voices. But, you know, this platform that I have, you know, it's, it's grown and I'm really grateful for those that support me. And I really don't like using the term followers. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like people that do come to my space are there to learn and to support me. And I feel like it's also a responsibility of mine. It's been, you know, my dream since or ever since I was little to advocate for indigenous rights and indigenous voices um, and see where that intersects across all of the movements. And it's a responsibility of mine. Um, to center voices that need to be heard. And that's not just mine. And I do speak a lot about, you know, what our indigenous people are going through, the good and the bad. We have so much resilience and beauty that does need to be shared and talked about. Um, but we do have a lot of injustice in our communities. Mm -hmm. And with what's going on right now and the injustice that's happening due to police violence and black lives being murdered right on camera for us to have to watch and see, um, we need to be supporting, you know, black lives right now. Um, and so my platform is just a way to share that content and share that education and get people to support and follow the Black Lives Matter movement and Black voices and leaders in these communities that people are part of. Um, because we need to be learning from them. We need to dismantle white supremacy. We need to do anti-racism work um, within ourselves, whether we think we are racist or we say we aren't and, you know, we grow up with that kind of generational racism you know, whether it was on purpose or not, uh, we need to do anti-racism work and 
we need to check our own privilege and that includes myself. Like I have to do that continuously to make sure um, that what I have and what I'm able to do and the opportunities that I get, you know, I'm able to share them and it's not just for me and it's not just about me. Yeah. I think what you said is really important. I know this experience has been really eye-opening for me on, on so many levels, but uh, there's work to be done. I need to do the work. Uh, someone's not going to do it for me. It's not going to be an article that changes it. I have to sit back and really do the work and reflect and check my privilege. And, you know, I think this journey for me is really at the beginning. I know I have a lot of work to do, but I think it's important that we, that we show up because we are one world, one community. And it's been too long that there have been voices that have been silenced. So with everything going on, it, these are really, really difficult trying times. And, you know, here at Healthy is Hot, we really promote mental health as well as physical health. So how are you coping in those areas of your life and making sure that you are staying strong and staying healthy, especially on the mental health front? You know, that's, that's a, a new process for me, really. Um, it's a growing process. It's a healing process. I don't have it all figured out, but I am, especially the last year, now that I've been using my running platform to raise awareness of missing and murdered indigenous women and running in prayer for them. It has taken a huge emotional, mental and physical, um, you know, pull on me. And it's led me to, you know, depression and severe anxiety attacks. And it's, you know, given me insomnia and nightmares and it's, it's really heavy to, to want to, run with that kind of responsibility. Um, I don't have to, but this new purpose with running, it, it feels like this is what I'm meant to be doing. Um, but it's a growing process. I try to read more. I try to, to draw more. I try to, you know, do what I can where it can focus my attention and disconnect from everything around me. Um, but I'm one that has several things to a dozen things going on all at once, especially right now with what's happening and, you know, trying to provide COVID relief support to native communities through a new program that I partnered with, um, where we're trying to procure masks for our communities and send them out. Um, you know, I'm definitely not doing a good job at making time for me. Uh, but it's something that I am actively like proactively working on every single day of whether that means leaving your phone and all computers on one side of the room or in a separate room and just disconnecting as much as possible, mm -hmm. setting boundaries for myself, um, trying to adhere to those boundaries of like, I'm not going to use my phone unless it's my parents or my partner after eight o'clock at night. Uh, and really just because I can get carried away, especially, um, for my platform, I get a lot of people reaching out saying like, Hey, can you help with this? Can you share this? Can you connect me with this person that may help with this? And I want to help all the time. Um, and I'm always, uh, you know, kind of running myself ragged a lot and I'm getting reminded by my family and my partner of like, Jordan, you're taking on too much. You need to make time for yourself. And so, um, I'm actively working on that and I, I know I need to do better, but just finding ways of you know, going for walks, going kayaking, uh, doing what I can that can disconnect me from everything is definitely um, a healing step and doing therapy too, going to therapy. 
Yeah, I think, I think it's great that you have your support system around you to sometimes force you to check in with yourself, especially if you are someone who's so driven and so passionate and so committed to helping. Sometimes it does take someone other than ourselves to be like, hey, it's time to check in. Maybe we can slow down a little bit. And some of the things you mentioned are simple actions you can do, disconnecting from social media and your phones, getting outside, being in nature, just so that you can have a moment to fill your cup a little bit before you go back to your day-to-day. And you do have a lot going on in your day-to-day. I mean, you are now the newest Global Run Ambassador for Lululemon. You talk about how you have a platform and that comes with responsibility and you want to use that for good. How excited are you to join this team and what are you looking forward to with this opportunity? I'm really excited to be part of the family because I think it's one representation for indigenous people. Um, When I was younger, I wanted to see people like me on a billboard. Um, on in these spaces and within these brands. And I never really saw that all that much. Um, and so, you know, when Mike sent me a picture of me on the billboard in Toronto, like I was just speechless. And I, that was exactly what I wanted to see when I was little. And I'm hoping that that inspires our next generations, that this is you, this is for you, and this can be you, that, you know, nothing is in your way and you can, you can go after it and get it. And I think with Lululemon too, I think they have an opportunity to really grow, um, especially with what's going on right now. I feel like I am using my voice to help influence that change that needs to happen within the company um, so that we are being supportive of our community that's beyond the Lululemon family. And especially I know, you know, I am a woman of color. I am indigenous. I know we have you know, black athletes within the Lululemon family, you know, I want to make sure that especially during this time of standing up for justice and supporting black lives that we need to be supporting, you know, our own. Um, And so I'm hoping I can, you know, maintain a strong voice within the company and hopefully, you know, build upon that. And it seems like that is happening and we are being listened to um, and we're being respected and cared for. And so everything is always a moving step forward. Um, It might be nerve wracking to do, um, but I think with what's going on and how how those steps are being taken, I think it's it's really great. And it's I think it's going to lead to um, a much more inclusive and safer community that we can hopefully build together. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, focusing on stepping forward. We're not staying stagnant. We're not taking steps back but we're focused and determined to put in the work and to keep taking those steps forward. I think that's really, really great that that when you look at this opportunity, that's your intention to continue doing that work and ensuring that, yeah, it's an inclusive community for all. Running is obviously such a a big part of your life. I would love to know where, when did this love of running start for you? Um, This love of running really began when I was, I would say when I really loved it, it began in college, but Um, you know, I'm a fourth generation runner. And when I was 10 years old, my grandfather took me on my first run. Um, And it was a two mile run. He lives at the top of a hill. And, you know, I thought this was okay. But then when we had to hit the turnaround point and run all the way uphill, I thought this was like the worst thing ever. How is this fun? (laughs) Um, But it was something that I connected with my grandfather and um, he passed away a few years ago. And so it's definitely one of the things that I still have left that I can connect to him and my family and my surroundings. But, 
you know, my mom was a sprinter and she grew up with him as her coach and just hearing all the running stories and seeing all the pictures and news clippings that he was part of, you know, I was really excited to kind of be in this like family running club that we had. Um, but I also felt, you know, pressure that I put on myself to think that I had to run and I was scared. What if I'm not as good as my mom or my grandfather, or great grandfather? Um, you know, I was, I was really nervous, but luckily my family, they were not pressuring me to stay with running. They really encouraged me to try other sports. And I did, I definitely tried everything, um, and had fun with it, but I just was never coordinated enough. And if it had running in it, you know, that was my strength within that sport because it included running. Um, but in middle schools, when I kind of transitioned to just sticking with running, um, and then in high school, I did indoor, outdoor track and cross country. Um, and then college, that's where I just focused on it wholeheartedly. And I had a coach that, you know, I really loved and believed in. And he had a program that really cared for every individual runner. And he paid good attention to each of us. And with the workouts, it wasn't always a one size fits all type approach. Um, he would, you know, kind of be more flexible if, you know, it wasn't to our strengths and he would kind of adjust it for us. Um, but it was just, he was a great coach and a great philosophy. And that's why I really fell in love with running. And um, it's because of him that, you know, I came to terms and admitting to myself out loud and to those around me that cared that, you know, I had an eating disorder, I had a problem um, and my running wasn't going anywhere and wasn't what it should have been my first year and a half. Um, because of this eating disorder. And so because of him, I got help and uh, put myself first and really cared for myself and really learned the connection and reforming my relationship with food um, and how, as I am a runner, I need that energy. I need to protect myself. I need to care for my, my body um, and that I need these calories and trying to rework that relationship and not seeing it as such a negative um, but it's something that I still struggle with to today. It's been 13 years um, that, you know, I'm still we're actively working on this. But, you know, that's where I really found love was in college. I absolutely loved it and took it a lot more seriously. And having all the access to the trails that I had in college really just, you know, fueled that love and passion for, for running and connecting to my surroundings. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing all of that. When, um, when you talk about food and, and your body and just making that connection between looking at food as fuel so that you can do the thing that you love the most, um, and I appreciate your honesty by saying that even 13 years later, it's something that you actively struggle with, and yet here you are talking openly about it, and that's got to take a lot of strength, and you're opening up the conversation for other people who might be struggling or might be 13 years into their recovery and still might be struggling. So for you, when you are having a day that might be a little bit harder when it comes to food and nutrition, what gets you through it? How do you get through to the other side so you can stay on the positive side of recovery? I just have to keep reminding myself that, you know, food is fuel and it's nutrition for my body, what my, my mind, body and spirit needs. And I have to actively, and this is years of practice. This is years of working with my doctor and a, a therapist of actively intersecting those negative thoughts and, you know, telling myself like, stop it. 
you need these calories. You need this food. It's delicious. This is good for you. This is healthy. Don't be afraid. Um, you know, how my eating disorder happened, it came out of, you know, you know, the want to lose one or two pounds to be just a little bit faster my senior year of high school. And that happened and it was great. And I did it the right way. I did it by eating just better and um, increasing my training a little bit more, but it was because of an unhealthy um, abusive relationship that where comments were said to me of, you know, picking at my body and then those things um, and then it just became something that I couldn't control. And, but at the same time, controlling what I ate and what went into my body felt like the only thing that I had control of my life, um, especially during that relationship. Um, but even now, years later, it's just me having to actively stop myself. Um, and it's really hard sometimes, especially um, anxiety and stress. And depending on how many things are going on are usually kind of triggers for me that would have me relapse. Um, and I would say definitely the last few months have been a big struggle, especially with what everyone's going through during this. Um, but it's something that I have a great support system, support system with, with my family. They know um, what I've struggled with. My partner um, knows the full story. And so when he sees me struggling, like he is also there to encourage me and remind me. Um, but yeah, it's just writing like little notes in my notebooks or having little reminders pop up on my calendar. Um, just reminding me that, you know, you're a strong, indigenous, resilient woman. Like you, like food is nutrition. That is fuel. If you want to keep running, keep running in prayer, you need to care for yourself. And that's putting yourself first. Putting yourself first. And I, I think it's amazing that you bring it back to your why. Like, why is it that you want to run for all of these causes for yourself and kind of focusing on that and kind of having that be, be your anchor and helping you reframe. Um, when it comes to running, yes, of course, there are physical benefits, but what else does running bring to your life? So running just brings me closer to my grandfather, my family, my ancestors. It connects me to my surroundings, and especially the last few years, now that I'm transitioning to like trail running, it's really you know, broadening that connection and strength and love and appreciation to the lands, to the indigenous lands that I'm able to run on and hike on and recreate on and being proactive to learn more about the lands that I'm running on um, and want to connect with. And it's also about, you know, it used to, it more so used to be a stress outlet for me. And until I started sharing my running platform and running for missing and murdered indigenous women, um, I'm having to create and find new ways to have that be a stress outlet because now I'm dealing with running being stressful and anxiety at sometimes mm -hmm. because of who I'm running for and why. Um, so that's still a learning process for me and learning how to continue advocating and running in a good and healthy way. But it's just a way that I feel strong um, and it just feels like my greatest tool right now. Um, and so I'm just really appreciative and grateful that, you know, I'm still able to run, um, and still have fun with it and still run with purpose. I'd love to talk about that purpose. 
Um, you've been doing it for quite a long time now. The causes are, are clearly very close to your heart and things that you stand passionately and advocately behind. You know, talk to me about some of these, these causes and, and why we need to all listen up and, and listen better. Yeah, I mean, running to raise awareness about something that's nothing we're really all new to. There are so mm -hmm. many like charities that have these 5Ks or special races to raise funds um, for cancer research and are in memorial of a relative. Um, but I never made the connection of running for purpose and reason on a competitive like platform. Um, I've always kind of just naturally kept them separate. And, you know, I've participated in like prayer runs, prayer vigils, um, for missing and murdered indigenous women and for, you know, trying to stop, uh, pipelines. Um, but I was asked in 2016, August, 2016 to organize some sort of event to welcome the native youth who are running over 2000 miles to Washington wow. DC from standing rock to oppose the pipeline and deliver a petition to president Barack Obama at the time. And I didn't know how to organize. I wasn't an organizer yet. Um, I had been to many rallies and protests and panels to support those that I really believe in and wanted to volunteer and support. Um, but the only thing I knew how to do was like run. And so I was like, well, maybe the kids will be okay with running like another two or three miles when they get here. Um, and luckily they were. And so I organized a run for water rally with a friend of mine and it started at the Supreme court to the army Corps headquarters. Um, and it was really beautiful and it was just led by the youth and we were hearing from them, learning from them and watching them is what really inspired me to use my voice publicly to start speaking. Um, because before then I was blogging and talking about these issues, um, but that was a way for me to kind of hide who I was, but be able to put it, um, out there for the world to read. Um, but watching them use their voice and fight for something that they truly believed in really inspired me and motivated me to do more. And then a few weeks later, a few days later, my grandfather passed away. And that was the last thing he knew um, that I was doing. And he was a Native youth advocate and a coach to them. He really supported our Native youth and cared for them so much. And that was something that I really felt like I connected with him on in his last few days. Um, and then a few weeks later, the youth were attacked by dogs on the front lines up in Standing Rock. And then that was kind of my final moment of like, enough is enough. Like I'm seeing on Facebook live streams, the youth that I was just with and running with and supporting are being attacked right now. And I can't just reshare, retweet, or just, you know, do these kinds of things anymore. Like we need to be elevating and supporting them and these injustices that are happening in our communities. And so that, that definitely inspired me to become an organizer. And I just started showing up at the White House and at Army Corps with a sign of mine. And then that led to me meeting other indigenous people that were organizing. And then I, they started inviting me to share my voice since those were my homelands. Um, and then I saw other organizations organizing on behalf of natives, but didn't include native voices on these issues. And I started you know, interrupting them and asking who's the lead organizers? Why aren't you guys doing a land acknowledgement? Why aren't you guys inviting the local Piscataway natives here in Washington DC area um, to speak to these injustices or natives that are from these areas to speak to these injustices? 
Um, and then that's where Rising Hearts was founded was because I was seeing a lack of inclusion and I was seeing an invisibility of indigenous voices not on those platforms. Um, and so that's why I founded Rising Hearts was to have that be a grassroots led, indigenous led organizing group that works to elevate and center indigenous voices in supporting other you know, movements and supporting and building collaborative partnerships. Um, and now we're kind of pivoting that work to really support Black Lives Matter during this time. If people wanna learn more about Rising Hearts or find ways that they can contribute, where can they find that information? Yeah, Rising Hearts is on Instagram. It's rising underscore hearts. Um, and so you can start following through there uh, and it's on Twitter as well, the same hashtag, the same handle. Um, but yeah, it's just grassroots led. It's either you know funding that's coming out of my pocket or when we are organizing for something, we'll do kind of a fundraising campaign. Um, but yeah, it's just trying to do good honest work for for our people now that you've you know you have rising hearts you're out in the world does it feel like this is your path this is what you're supposed to be doing with your life yeah i i feel like i am doing what i meant to be doing and i would say probably up until that moment where i organized the run for water rally you know i kind of felt lost like i didn't know what to do i wanted to help support my community and my relatives that's been a dream of mine since eighth grade was to live in dc and advocate um but i had no idea what that would look like and i didn't know if that meant going to law school and being a lawyer and mm -hmm. having indigenous voices there and helping create laws that actually include indigenous people um but you know, it always had me reflect on my native Lakota name that was given to me. Um, but it wasn't until I started organizing and supporting um, and elevating these movements and what's happening is when I truly felt like I'm living up to the name that was given to me and I'm supposed to be doing what I'm doing. Um, I definitely don't have it all figured out and it's always a learning process and continuing to learn from others. But yeah, it's, I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Wow, that must be an amazing feeling. It must be daunting at times as well, because there are so many, so many injustices and so much happening that needs to be um, remedied and there's a long way to go. But, yeah. you know, that's amazing that you feel like, yes, this is for right now. This is what I should be doing. I love that you take running above and beyond running. Um, learning about what you did at the 2019 Boston Marathon. You did that run very uniquely in a very different way, in a very impactful way. Yeah, I, for two years, I ran the San Diego Half Marathon in 2018 and 2019. And I was just becoming, you know, just starting to learn more about this epidemic. I had heard of it for the last like few years, the acronym MMIW and you know, as it continues to include men, elders, two-spirit, LGBTQ community. Um, but it, it wasn't until the death of Savannah LaFontaine Greywind in 2017, that's what inspired me, you know, to speak more to this. And I organized my first prayer vigil. And in the years of 2018, 2019, I was just doing what I could by resharing content by organizers and advocates that were more um, rooted into this movement um, as I was continuing to learn. But I wanted to give space for them in my running at the 2018, 2019 San Diego Half Marathon by dedicating my bib number with the hashtag MMIW and MMIWG. 
um, for missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. Hoping that that would lead to people asking, what does that mean? To start the conversation, to, to raise awareness about what this epidemic is. Um, and it did. I had a couple people ask about it, you know, talked about it on social media, but, you know, it was really only being talked about and seen and appreciated within, you know, indigenous circles. It wasn't being seen beyond that. Um, and then in 2019, after that race, it was a couple, you know, minutes left. I mean, a couple days left until the Boston Marathon. And I was there supporting the Native youth with Wings of America um, and what they were doing. And I was trying to figure out a way that I can help honor our relatives that have been taken by this injustice without taking away the spotlight from the Native youth, because that was the whole reason why I was there, is to help fundraise for them and to support them. And it was a last minute decision. Um, I asked my parents to bring me face paint. And as my partner was driving me to the Hopkinton start line where the buses were, um, I started just painting the letters on my body. Um, I didn't really know why. It just literally was the first thing I just started doing as soon as I opened up the paint. Um, and then as we got there, I had him help me put the handprint over my mouth, which is symboled um, to symbolize the long-standing historical violence that has been silencing um, Indigenous women's voices and Indigenous people's voices um, because of this injustice. And that was a heavy symbol. And it, it is something that I take very seriously. And it's not just for decoration or, um, you know, or or anything more than just it symbolizing this violence. Um, and it's not a political statement. And going into the race, I had 26 names, 27, because I included my grandfather um, for the last point two to the finish line. But I had 26 names and I would say their name, set a prayer for them, for their families, for our communities, and then I would just try to enjoy the remaining mile um, being in Boston. It was the Boston Marathon. It was something I was so excited about and um, loved cheering on that race and all the, all the people that I know that have done it. Um, and then I would start it over again. And it was just so surreal. And it felt like the easiest thing I had ever done in my life, like the easiest race and Sounds odd saying that when I had just done 26.2 miles on the Boston course, but it felt, I don't know, it felt so meaningful and it was the least that I could do. And it was an honor to run for them. And it was a way for me to let them know, let their families know that they're not forgotten, that someone among many people are still thinking about them, are still hoping for justice for them, are still hoping and praying for healing for them and for the families and for the community that have lost their loved one. Um, but yeah, after that, it just, it was amazing. And the world saw them and saw this prayer run that I ran for them. Um, and we just had so many opportunities to speak to this, to have their names be seen and heard. Um, on other platforms and inspiring our next generations like Rosalie Fish, who was a high school senior at the time. She reached out to me asking if she could do the same thing at her state meet and she did and she elevated it even higher um, and in doing the same thing and running in prayer. And, you know, in our own communities, we are impacted by this injustice. We either know someone directly, we've had a loved one taken from us, or we know someone who's had 
a loved one taken from this, um, from this violence. And so we all are affected by it and it impacts us in some way. Um, but the purpose of running for them in prayer is what I'm going to continue doing while also continuing to elevate those that have been doing this work for decades um, because this movement began in Canada, began because of the highway of tears and the high rates of indigenous women going missing and found murdered on that highway. Um, and so this is continuing that legacy and leadership that they created um, and just supporting the community and advocates that are doing this work. Um, you have found a way to, to own your voice, to use your voice for something so much greater than yourself. And I think right now with everything going on, I hope that everyone can find their voice and speak up for injustices and things that they see in the world that they know in their hearts of hearts is not right. For people that haven't yet found their voice, who are not sure how to speak up, what advice do you have for them for owning that voice and for standing strong and for standing for something good, for something different? You know, it's, if it's something you truly believe in, speak to it, say it out loud, even if it's you by yourself in a room, if you can start putting it out there into the universe out loud, it's going to become real and you are going to start gaining that confidence. That's how it felt for me. It may not be the same way for everybody, but that's also, you know, a way to hold yourself accountable to start using your voice. Um, and it's okay. You may not say it right or, or get it right all the time, but that's what we can do is continue continuously learn how to be a good relative and how to be a good ally in these movements, how we can support indigenous people, how we can support black lives, immigrants, brown lives, how we can support everybody. Um, and that's just something that I, I think is really important. I think people... Um, are starting to kind of find their voice and, and realize that they have an opportunity to support these voices, um, especially with, you know, losing Ahmaud Arbery and May 8th became a day where everyone ran for him. And I think we're going to start seeing more and more people running for someone, um, especially for tomorrow. I'm dedicating Global Running Day to running for George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, you know, um, Tony McDade, James Scurlock, you know, all of them have been taken from us very recently um, and from the black community and from their family. But we need to make sure that if we're running for them or doing whatever we can to create space and honor them, we need to make sure that we are taking it a step further past that and continuing to support um, those doing this work and, and whether that's donating to the organizations and the leaders um, we need to make sure that it doesn't stop with just a run or just a post. We need to continue to be proactive in supporting these movements and leaders. Well, I think that's a, a really beautiful action-driven place to end this episode. Jordan, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure chatting with you. I wish it was under different circumstances, but you have a voice. You are using it for multiple causes. You run with passion. You live your life with passion. And I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Lila Palamaye, thank you so much. And just like that, another episode of the Healthy is Hot podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Chloe Wild. If you enjoyed this conversation, feel free to subscribe so you never miss out. Rate and leave us a comment. Follow us on Instagram at Healthy is Hot. And remember, healthy is fucking beautiful. See you next week.